This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 54 of the Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we share tips on keeping riders and dogs cool during the summertime. In Tigapedia, Patty asks how to start a compost. In Critter Nutrition, Tigger shares information on helping horses recover during the summer heat. And in Coffee Clatch, we share our favorite dinosaur breeds. Listen in. So I understand, Patty, now that you're back in Virginia, you've gone to your first Virginia show in many a year. Many a year. It's been four and a half years. I went to Culpepper with a bunch of clients. I have, I had indeed, I will clarify, had actually gone to one other show when I first moved back. But Culpepper is always kind of, it's run yeah. by um, Janine Malone, who runs one hell of a show, as we all know. And I just felt like it was, it was like going home. Just things that I recognized. A lot of the professionals were very welcoming and it was just a great, it was a great show. It was a great show. I had not been there, I guess it's been five years and we turned the corner and all the wood barns were gone and big, beautiful barns and holy cow, didn't expect that, but it's turned into quite a um, show place. I don't know the last time you've been there, but it was, um, I mean, the barns are amazing, really amazing. And, and all the footing is good. You know, it's just, it's just an incredibly well-run show. And, um, what's so nice is when you go into the office, there's all the, um, that, you know, they, Janine has always does a great job at getting, um, sponsorships, but sponsorships for things that, that go back to the competitors. There's always a little refrigerator full of ice cream um, or ice cream bars or ice cream sandwiches or something like that. But there is coffee. There are little candies. There are some chips, all the prizes. There's a variety of different prizes. But on Saturday evening, there is a competitor's party, but it always is, it always gives back to the community of the show. So there's a best, the best groom. There's a, the trainer that brought the most kids. I mean, just all these different, it, it just like pulls the whole, whole show, show together. It was just, that's was very cool. That's very cool. Yeah. And very, it was, very, it was, um, it was kind of hot that, that, uh, that weekend or, or getting into this big hot spell we're in. So yes. it's kind of timely yes. that yes. we are dedicating the show to, you know, summertime being hot challenges. Yes. So here we go. Let's get into it, girls. Well, a heat wave has hit a big part of the U.S., so we thought it would be timely. We have uh, we share our tips on keeping, you know, riders and humans and dogs cool in the summer. I know one of my personal tips is I put my wrists in cold water. I run oh, cold water on my wrists, and it it yeah. it's really helpful to cool the body down when you're out at the barn and. As long as the barn water is reasonably cold. Yeah, there you go. Well, that's a good point. That's (laughs) a very good point. Yeah, you don't want to, you know, use it from the hose that's been sitting out in the sun. (laughs) 
No. Good point. And my tips for dogs is I make that, you know, the icy coconut peanut butter treat <gasps> and ice cube treat. Yeah. Ooh. And it's one cup peanut butter to two cups or one cup. You could do one to one of coconut oil and then you just pour it into your um, ice cube tray and freeze it. And it doesn't melt as fast as regular ice. And it's really great. The dogs love it and it's great for cooling them down. So it's, now give me that ratio again. I'm one to one. Down. One yeah. cup coconut to one cup uh, peanut, butter. peanut butter. And then one cup of water? No water. No. Oh, no water. Just coconut oil and peanut butter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are you kidding? If I gave that oh, to Lori, that she would, awesome. Lori would eat that in about 15 seconds. Well, yeah, that's why you make a whole tray full. <laughs> make them in like an ice cube. <laughs> well, they lick it. Oh, you not know, Lori. They... She chews. But I'm going to try it. I'm going to give that a try because she loves oh, they... peanut butter. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm curious about that. Okay, and that coconut good. oil is cooling. Didn't it's know. one of the cooling foods. I didn't know that. Well, first I'm going to test and make sure she will consume coconut oil. I have no reason to think she wouldn't. Um. Her favorite non-dog food food in the world is pumpkin. Would it be appropriate to lace that's it with warming. pumpkin? Oh, that's warming. Oh, man. Okay. She loves pumpkin. Mm, mm. Okay. So I will try the coconut oil. Um, will Is it appropriate to let a dog eat desiccated coconut? I have never done that, actually. Okay. But I would think it would be, you'd have to check the sugar and carbohydrate content, especially okay. with a. A dog that's already, um, <laughs> you know, an easy keeper. Yes, she is an easy keeper. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. The coconut oil is way better because being a medium chain fat, it doesn't have any sugar starches. Gotcha. And medium chain fat isn't stored in the body like a uh, long chain fat, like, co- you know, vegetable oil gotcha. or corn oil. We, so you yeah. don't want to put a pat of butter in there. No. Uh, no, no. no, no. So I'm going to try that. <laughs> I just, I, I made, um, we made ice cubes, which, what do we call them? Um, popsicles. We made popsicles for the ponies. So now I got to make popsicles for the dog. Peanut butter, yeah. coconut oil. Got yep. it. Peanut butter, coconut oil. Yeah. Perfect. And um, there's, it, at Whole Foods, now there could be other stores that sell it, but there's this wonderful um, drink from India. It, it's called Lassi, not Lassie, L-A-S-S-I. And it's a fermented um, yogurt that's in a liquid with a very, very, very high probiotic count. And kefir is is more warming. And so mm. I don't use it in the summer, but lassi is very cooling. And so I add it to the dog's food. They get the probiotics. It's a cooling food for them. And you can hide a lot of stuff <laughs> in it. Oh, it's really cool. thick, like oh, a milk. that's cool. But it's it's very cooling. Okay, I'm gonna put that on my list of things too, because you know we love to give our my our dog treats, and despite the fact that she lives in the house all the time, she still likes to have things to munch. And play well, with. this is something you would add to the food, right? Because it's a liquid. Yeah. Well, or you could, could give you freeze it. it? it yeah. Or, could you freeze it, or shouldn't you? You you know what that that would be a fun thing to do. I've never tried that, but you've just inspired me to make some frozen lossy cubes. Yeah, maybe I could make frozen uh, lossy, and and I could put a, a blueberry in the middle. It would oh be yeah, you could put a lot of fruit in the middle, like a dessert. 
Yeah, like dessert. So it would be just like dessert. Oh my gosh, dessert for my dog. <laughs> it's a dessert for the puppy. But it's a cooling dessert. Mm-hmm. The emphasis Perfect. on cool. Perfect. Well, see, we have that to find alternatives cool. because we don't want to be giving her extra warming foods this time of the year. Correct. Correct. No. Lossy yogurt. Well, with I, have to, I, have to, okay. I have to tell you that Burke, who goes to the barn with me every day, is so funny because we have fans set up all around the barn for the horses and when we're working and whatever. And again, for me, who is still on uh, Houston prime time, I'm just like, you know, guys, we're just warming up here. This is no big deal. But Burke sits in front of the fan. He literally hogs the fan. He's so smart. He just, he'll, he'll get himself like a little wet and then he'll sit in front of the fan. Oh, so he, he makes himself a popsicle <laughs> all in himself. He's a Burksicle. A Burksicle. Kind of smart. But, but to the point where he kind of hogs the fan, there's a fan in the tack room and, you know, we have it kind of set, you know, positioned towards uh, all of us and Perk like will like suck all the energy out of the room and sit in front of the fan. But I think that's kind of smart. But he'll make sure he gets wet. Like dog, multiple fans in my air conditioned house for the multiple Australian yes. shepherds. And do they sit in front of them? Of course they do. They lie in front of it. They lie on their back in front of it. They let it air their tummies. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> Burke hasn't done the tummy thing, but it's it's really kind of cute. Yeah. Oh, so, cute. so, Patty and Jen, what are your tips for riders? Oh, boy. Well, just coming from a, from a, a kind of a, a horse show that was, you know, one day was kind of cool and then the next day was kind of hot. There are cooling vests that you can freeze and then put on, which I have a couple of riders that did that. But there are also these strips that you can put in your helmet um, that can lay like kind of on, uh, like you can stick them to the top of your helmet. And I don't, don't know the name of them, but they also are pretty wonderful. If you I myself, cool, I just drink a lot of smart water. Pardon me? If you keep your head cool, you can help keep your body cool. Yeah. And with how wonderfully vented all the helmets are now, I think that that really helps. But, you know, the vest, a lot of people like the vest, but there's these strips that you can put in the top of your helmet, and that really does help. What about you, Jennifer? Well, I've just, I discovered something a little while back, uh, thanks to Glenn's busted up shoulder. We had to get him ice packs, because he had to keep his shoulder iced for a lot of times. And you can buy these inexpensive little ice packs. Um, they're like 12 inches by 6 inches, maybe, from the drugstore. And they're made to go on whatever body part. And they come with a little tiny pillowcase that has a strap and Velcro on it. And you just put that on your lower back and strap it on with the Velcro. And you just wear it. Oh, wow. It is awesome. (laughs) You don't even know it's there because it's very flat. Yeah. It's it's amazing the difference it makes. Because I thought, well, where can I put something cool? that is not going to be bulky and flappy when I'm riding. And I don't like to wear, a lot of people use the little, it's like a little scarf thing that has the beads inside of it that you get it wet and then you put it around your yep. neck. But it, uh, my right, skin breaks right, right, out right. from the wet. My skin doesn't like that. I get hives from it. Oh. So my skin, I can't wear those. But this is completely sealed inside of plastic so that I don't have exposure to those little beads. And it really makes a huge, huge difference. And I, oh, I cool. wear it for three or four hours at a time. And I can I can work in the heat here in Central Florida without feeling faint. That's I would definitely oh, recommend those things. 
And, and I drink the, a the lot of water with I, lemon. <laughs> there you go. You you do a lot of water with lemon? Yep. Yeah, that's that's isn't that's very hydrating. Yeah, I tend to I tend to use the we get the low sugar uh, Gatorade type stuff that has the low sh- the lower sugar content, and then we mix it right. half and half with water because you want to drink a lot and you know you don't want to have too much of that stuff. But I found and I I learned this from doing some research before we vacationed in Colorado and had to deal with altitude issues. Um, sip all day versus waiting mm-hmm. for a couple of hours and then downing a whole bunch because your body can only process the water so fast. So yep. if you drink a whole bunch at one time, you're actually getting less hydrated than if you sip all day and get the same yep. amount of water. So it goes right through the kidneys. It goes oh, right through because you can't absorb it fast enough because you see so you sip throughout the day. And Glenn and I each had invested a whopping twelve dollars or so in a good quality insulated sippy cup that you can fill full of iced beverage, and it's even in the heat, it stays cold all day long. So it's right there. You don't have any excuses. Now I avoid cold drinks. Um, mm. It's too much of a shock to my system, and it actually, for me, hydrates me less. So I go for room temperature. Oh, could not do that. Could not do that. <laughs> I, I do the same. I totally do the same. I do that all day long as I'm riding. Mm-hmm. I like I, I like the cold stuff because I tend to not drink it at all unless it's cold. So because I'm terrible, I don't I don't drink nearly enough. Wow, that's surprising living in your climate. I know. I've always been I've always been one to not drink enough. Now for the dogs, one of the things I noticed because we have a dog that comes and visits us every day. His his daddy goes off to work, and he lets himself out of his home. And crawls under the fence and comes to visit and hangs out at our house all day, every day. We're like day camp. <laughs> and and we're happy to let him do that. And and we, we told his daddy that we're happy that he hangs out with us all day long because trying to keep him in the house just causes keep him in the house just causes him to destroy the house. So we right. would much rather he comes to visit us and he's very happy to do so. And dogs will tend to gravitate towards sand in the hot weather. There's something about being able to Zhuzh a little hole into a sandy, shady spot that dogs seem to really go for. So if you don't have a sandy spot in the shade, maybe you can make one for your dog that hangs out at the barn all day. Um, I will say that uh, dogs that are not in a sandy soil uh, also seek out uh, digging in the dirt under a tree. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Dig a little hole. The only reason I'm laughing is today I kept yelling at Burke, Burke, don't dig there. Don't do that yet. Because it's cooler there. I mean, you mm-hmm. just get a few oh, sure. inches into the ground, and it's way cooler. Yeah. <clears throat> and and I guess the the key being a shady spot versus a spot that's in the direct sunshine where they're just going to sit there and bake. Oh, I I mean, mm-hmm. a, a, anyone who would leave now, a dog now where out. where well, where do you? Well, sometimes they're outside because they want to be outside, and they're just too stupid to sit in the shade. Well, <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Some dogs aren't as bright as others. There's there hasn't been natural selection in certain breeds for a very long time. Um, <laughs> but where do you weigh in? I'm I'm pretty sure I know. But where do you weigh in on clipping dogs with heavier coats? Well, I can say you don't do that with an Australian Shepherd. All right, because they have the, they have a double coat, right? Which is the furry stuff inside. They are the double coated. Okay. I know some people. I, I've had a lot of Nordic breeds: Samoyeds, Malamutes, Wolf hybrids. Um, I never clipped them. Yeah. Ever. 
I, and, and for me, you know, they're what's designed your, that way. Yeah, what's they're been designed your right? Exactly. And I, and I, you know, for me, who has truly been in the hottest place on earth, <laughs> um, <laughs> that would be Houston, Texas. I, people. I, I really, yeah, yes, I really believe that you know, um, you kind of leave them alone. I mean, I some people, if, if someone's going to clip their dog, I, I don't in any way condone that, but just you know, make sure you keep them inside because you've just taken away their natural insulator. Um, you know, if, and if someone wants to do that, I don't think that's a big issue as long as you protect them and keep them inside, but they're going to get colder than normal in this type of weather. Cause I feel I, you know, I've always felt like dogs that have these big coats or at least, you know, I had a couple of people that had Australian shepherds that were clipping them and they would then put them inside and then they would get like incredibly cold when it was so hot outside because their thermostat gets a little bit screwed up. If you've, you've taken that natural instinct away from them being able to balance that. But, you know, I'm with you, Tigger. I, I, I just don't want to, I just don't want to take away, you know, because, you know, animals are more adapted to handle these things. And then if we start altering their state, it makes it harder for them to be able to figure that all out. And I mean, there's certain breeds like, like you know, poodles and stuff that, you know, you sure they're they're, they're kind of designed to be clipped. Yes, but, exactly. But not the the double coated dogs. I I think that's right. I think that's a mistake. And their coats never really come back. I to agree. What they were. Yeah, I agree. So if uh, if any of our listeners out there, if you've got dogs that or tips to keep your dog cool, um, like ice cubes in their drinking water and things like that. Go to HealthyCritticsRadio.com and let us know. Oh, I can't wait to hear about it. Yay. Me either. Hello. Hedy. Tuesday, it must be heady day. It it's a heady day. day. I have to bark and then I read, man. Come on, Come on. Yes, hello, what do you want? <laughs> I, I want to know, why do they call these days of summer the dog days of summer? Oh, I can answer this for you to my extreme knowledge of history. As you may, or given that you are taller, may not know. The dog star Sirius rises in Greece during the summer. And that is the way in which the period of the summer solstice was identified. Yes. Wow. Dog star. Yeah, Sirius. Mm-hmm. Right here with No, I just sat history. down. Oh. I just sat down. I had no idea. No, there you go. Yes, I know. So it but has I nothing knew. to do with wow. panting or. No. Wow. No. Well, now there's a tip we didn't know. Has to do with well, the sun. It has to do with the sun and the constellation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, well you, Teddy, you're so smart. <laughs> <laughs> you must have a PhD. <laughs> In something. What? I have several PhDs as well as my law degree. Oh, that's right, because you are going for a Supreme Court 
nomination. Yes, no problem. That should go well, I think. So how are you coping with the heat, Hetty? Well, to be frank, Tigger, it's really nice here. It was very, very hot yesterday uh, and the day before, but now it's nice again. Mm-hmm, no problem. Okay, how so I how... Hope I made my servant go get the portable air conditioner from the attic and put it in. And then I slept so well. Is this a portable air conditioner just for palms? Um, no, it is the traditional type that goes in a window, you know. Um, ah. It's funny because our attic stairs are quite and small <laughs> and there's a door that she has to carry this has to push it with her foot while balancing on the stairs while holding the air conditioner <laughs> this cheers me up every year just when I think that my life is pretty meaningless and things are not really going my way I get to watch my human service carry about a 75 pound air conditioner down the stairs on one leg. <laughs> I mean, I, for everything else, there's MasterCard. <laughs> I my heart with joy. Do you know that in the distant past, before I was born, I know, a sad time, my servant was helping a friend, as though she has friends, move out of an apartment in a city called Baltimore. And it was very hot there, very hot, yes, very hot. And, and the friend lived on a high floor. And they moved everything else out, everything else. And just the servant was left with the air conditioner, but it was the old kind. So heavy. And the servant almost fell out the window. (laughs) (laughs) Her friend had to grab her around the waist and haul her back in because she did not want to let go of the air conditioner because it would have killed people below. I mean, really, okay, you that's just funny. Don't get to know these stories right away. You have to live with her for a while. <laughs> but if I could have been there, I would have videoed. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, thanks, Hetty, for um, the thanks, elimination Hedy. of dog days of summer and why one should never try to retrieve a uh, air conditioner out of a window by I guess by leaning over the window and trying to to keep a air conditioner from falling on somebody's head yeah they are the very let's just say it's a they, two-person they, operation two humans should be involved the two, yes yeah, just, just make sure if you're doing it that Hetty's not there watching because she's going to talk about it later <laughs> and video it but the metal ones—they were a menace. Well, thanks, Hetty. I'm glad you're now cool with thanks, your air Hedy. conditioner. Me too. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye, Hetty. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye, Hetty. So we are at our Tigopedia, 
Ask Tiggy question part of our show. And <laughs> I thought it would be a, a fantastic question because I get this all the time and I don't know how to answer it. Kids, how do you start a compost pile? Like from the beginning. It's so incredibly easy. You literally okay. go out to your garden or mm-hmm. if you have what a if you barn. don't have a garden? Okay. So you have a barn area. Okay. And mm-hmm. You're, the idea of a compost is to create new dirt, right? So think about okay. where you're going to be using that rich hummus of material. If you mm-hmm. don't have a vegetable garden or you or you have a flower garden or – so you first have to figure out where you, you're going to use the dirt because you want the compost okay. in relatively close to – um, where you're going to be using it. So I, I'm using for an example. Let's say you decide, Patty P, that you're this year you're going to have a small vegetable garden, mm-hmm. and maybe it's going to be like mine is, very close to the barn. Okay, it makes it makes manure very convenient to to get on the garden yep. when you need it. And you're going to take an area three feet by four feet to start with. You can put chicken wire around it. You can have Peter build you a little box if you want. I don't do anything that fancy. <laughs> I just okay. delineate. This is the compost. You, it, the compost itself needs to be on the ground, not on concrete, not on asphalt, because you need the soil microbes to break it down. Okay. So we, have, we move our compost every year. So right now it's in a certain corner where it hasn't been before because we we need to revitalize that part of the garden. So okay. it's not delineated by anything other than this is the spot. <laughs> okay, all right, that's perfect. But that's this is perfect. Um, okay. The the dogs know not to go to it. They've been trained. Okay. If you've got dogs that will get into your, you know, leftovers, um, chicken wire makes an, a really easy fencing in a three, okay. four foot area. And okay. the key with a compost is what you put in it and what you don't put in it. Okay. So you would not put dog or cat feces. Okay. Why? They take a little bit longer to break down, and they add a tremendous smell, which can a- attract less than desirable uh, other animals. Okay. You don't put bones, and you don't put meat. Now, the solution for your bone meat waste, take mm-hmm. the bones and make bone broth in your crock pot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you, you know, you're not going to compost them, but you're going to get good nutrients out for the dogs. And for okay. the meat, you know, make sure you have some chickens because they're omnivores. They're little dinosaurs. And they'll be happy to eat the leftover meat. Okay. That's good to know. You, you, I like to – I look at it as a green and brown combo in terms of what I'm adding. So grass clippings, leaves – stalks, vegetable and fruits, weeds. When I'm weeding, I I put it in the wheelbarrow and then dump it on the compost pile. 
X, you know, if you're I, I bed in straw, so I get excess straw that I'm going to sweep up, it goes into the compost. Um, you can put shredded paper. You can put pieces oh, of wow. cardboard. You can break up. Oh, it breaks down in about two weeks. Really? Uh, yeah, so you could take an Amazon box and break it down and add it to the compost. You can add manure. Okay. What you don't want to add is, you know, as I said, the meat, the, you know, dog or cat waste. And anything that has been treated, if you treat your lawn with an herbicide, do not put those grass clippings into the compost because that act they affect the soil microorganisms to their detriment right so um basically yeah if if somebody were in like a uh, neighborhood they really could do a very small compost oh absolutely okay now the key with compost is heat and moisture okay that's what speeds the breakdown of the plant and vegetable material. So, I mean, we're having a pretty rainy so far spring summer here in Virginia. So, you know, there hasn't been any need to water the compost. But if you went a week or two without any water, any rain, you would want to be watering your compost to help break it down. Okay. So water is an important factor in uh, and creating good soil. Okay. And, and, and then at, and go ahead. What I was going to ask So like at, so about how long does it take to make, um, a compost pile that you can use for something? It depends on what percentage of matter you have in it. Okay. So in other words, you know, cardboard box will break down in about two weeks. Okay. The grass clippings break down in, I would say, uh, two months, maybe shorter, okay. depending on how hot it is. But I, when we build, a, when we do a compost, um, we're looking at a six-month span. Okay. Okay. So if you're looking for the spring, start it, you know, in August. But we just keep ours going year-round. We just, we just move it. Okay. So that's a good question. So what do you do with it in the winter? It, it's pretty, it's dormant, right, at that point. Mm-hmm. But we just okay. keep adding so, Okay. All right. And then once the spring and summer come around, it just kind it of starts, breaking starts to work. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, I have a question. Well, I think that's, yeah. And you can layer it in the winter with straw and manure from mucking a stall or sawdust and manure, just, you know, add it to the pile. That um, stuff breaks down pretty fast. Yeah. So what about turning the compost heap over? Because uh, you read about how it has to be turned every X number of days okay. and all this kind of nonsense. So, and, so right. okay. when you're dealing with something that is a three by f- three foot by four foot area, it, when I when we turn stuff, it's it's the big manure pile because we keep adding to it, right? We have a number of horses. We're mucking stalls every day. That has to be turned for breakdown. 
But the little pile that but you use with your pile, vegetable garden. Uh, no, okay. just as long as you keep it watered. Got it. I mean, you know, maybe you want it to stick your pitchfork in it instead of mush it around. Move stuff around, yeah. but you know, it's it's a no muss, no fuss thing. Wow. And you don't want to add there are things, you know, you can add um, wood ash in the winter from fireplaces. Yeah, we always we used to burn wood to heat oh, the home cool. and that's where we put all the ashes was in the in the Oh yeah, the gar- plants love it. Yeah. Everything went in the everything went into the uh, that was our recycling center. Everything went in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I know that there are, you know, places where you know, they don't want you to have chickens and they don't want you to have compost, but I I hope more people and their, you know, homeowners associations really start to rethink this. I mean, even if they do a community compost. Yeah. And oh, that a, would, that's a great idea. And yeah, a community a idea, vegetable yeah. garden. Yeah. Yeah. I'll pass on the vegetable garden, but I will per- absolutely contribute <laughs> to the compost eat because when I try to grow vegetables, it's always an embarrassing failure, but I'm happy mm-hmm. to contribute to the, to the compost heat. Well, I would say probably the vegetable challenges have a lot to do with the soil and in, in yeah, we're not a great vegetable growing state. That is true. Well, yes, you are. You're number one in tomatoes in the world. Right. Not tomato paste. That's California. Really? We actually grow tomatoes here? Yep. You grow tomatoes and you use 42 different pesticides and herbicides. Well, that just doesn't make me feel any better about it, Tigger. Come on. Way to burst my bubble. <laughs> Well, that's where a lot of the, you know, tomatoes that you see in the in the grocery store come from. They come from Florida. Paste that makes tomato paste, tomato sauce, that comes from California. That's the biggest paste producing state. What about New Jersey? That was like the tomato state. That's um, eating, you know, that's but that's only in the summer. Eating. Eating. Okay. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. yep. And they are pretty darn good. I'm There's a say, great from book called tomato land it's written by a new york times investigative reporter and it starts out he's driving down to see his parents in naples florida and he's on i-75 and Mm -hmm. this truck passes him going you know 75 miles an hour with all these tomatoes and uh, some uh, one or two tomatoes fall off the truck going 70 miles an hour and they don't break (laughs) oh and that's what he went wait a minute what is going on with tomatoes yeah so he wrote this book called tomato land which is all about florida and the you know from from all the pesticides and herbicides to the migrant workers and how enslaved they are i mean in terrible living conditions and sort of the, the company store attitude where you owe your you owe more money to the company store than you're actually getting paid so you're always in debt to the grower mm. it's oh. it's i mean it reads like a sort of indiana jones of tomatoes here we go it's a really really good book and i think it's also available on audio tomato land Tomato land. I've already looked it up and put it on my list. There we go. So I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. So if you've got, uh, if you've got an amazing compost heap and some amazing things that you grew from your compost heaps, and if, for us, the things that grew in our compost heap were the volunteers 
So when we throw old right. cucumbers in there, we would have cucumber plants and we yes. get to eat them. So it was yes. literally oh, recycling. Cool. It was oh, awesome. Cool. Oh, that happens all the time. If you put them in the compost heap, cause there's always some yep. horse manure in there too. So we really didn't even have to do anything with it. It was like, okay, let's abandon that one. Cause it's covered with vegetables now and let's start a new one. And then, you know, six months later, that one will be covered with vegetables. If you've got ideas oh, so or, cool. or even that's pictures, so cool. put them, put them over there on the yeah. Healthy Critters yeah, Radio Facebook. Yeah, we'd love to see them on Healthy Critters Radio. Yeah. And now we're at Critter Nutrition, and I'm going to share some summertime recovery tips for horses. We tend to work our horses harder in the warmer months. The harder the horse's body works, the more energy it burns. And the byproduct of this energy process is heat. As a result, keeping horses cool and hydrated in hot and or humid weather becomes a primary focus of horse owners in the summertime. The body's cooling efficiency is determined by environmental temperature and humidity, as well as the physical and metabolic condition of each individual horse. While thoroughbreds and Arabians have an easier time staying cool, heavily muscled horses like quarter horses and warmbloods can face bigger challenges when dissipating internal heat. The more fit the horse is, the more efficient the horse becomes at dissipating heat. Horses that are overweight can be hampered in the recovery phase by the fat layer that traps heat. Yet even fit horses, when working in conditions of high heat and humidity, will lose varying percentages of water and electrolytes and can be slow to regain muscle glycogen. The cool down. During warm months, the cool down phase of walking after a training session helps to redistribute the blood in the body. In the cool down phase, more blood is circulated to the skin, lungs, and organs and less to the muscles. This helps pull heat out of the horse's muscles and dissipate it through the skin and through the lungs. Walking helps restore the horse's heart rate and other vital signs to a normal range. One of the most important parts of cooling the horse's body with water is the sweat scraping. Water left on the coat, particularly in humid conditions, acts as an insulator. Don't forget to towel dry the legs as well. Additionally, there are many water-based rinses that you can sponge on your horse to ease sores, muscles, and aid in the cooling process. One of the easiest ingredients to add is apple cider vinegar, which provides cooling properties for the skin. Water for hydration. It's good practice to check the hydration of your horse with a simple skin pinch test. Pinch a small piece of the skin in the neck or shoulder area. If it stays elevated or tented for as little as three seconds, your horse is moderately dehydrated. At four seconds or more, your horse is severely dehydrated. Capillary refill time is another good test for hydration. Press a finger to the upper gum for one or two seconds. When you remove your finger, the normal pink color of the gum should return in one to two seconds. If it takes longer for the color to return, your horse is probably dehydrated. When horses sweat to cool themselves, they not only lose fluid, but also massive amounts of electrolytes. Muscle recovery and the synthesis of glycogen after exercise is dependent on intercellular water and electrolytes. Horses can't replenish muscle glycogen as quickly as humans do. Electrolytes combined with water provides fast delivery through the oral transmucosal pathway. Oral transmucosal absorption is rapid because of the rich vascular supply to the oral mucosa. Even the respiratory tract provides a large mucosal surface for water, nutrients, and electrolyte absorption. A study conducted at Michigan State University by Hal Schott, DVM, showed that adding electrolytes, particularly salt, to water helps to maintain the horse's thirst drive. Quote, 
An initial drink of salt water improved recovery of sweat fluid losses because horses drank more water when it was offered a few minutes later. With that initial drink of salt water, the salt concentration in the blood remains elevated to activate the drinking centers of the brain. In contrast, horses that were offered plain water for their initial drink did not drink further during the initial hour of recovery, despite the fact that they remained partially dehydrated, end quote. Electrolytes added to feed is a much slower delivery system than electrolytes in paste or added to a bucket of water. Don't depend on a salt lick or a salt block for all the electrolyte needs of your horse in hot weather. If your horse is dehydrated, it is especially important not to add electrolytes to the feed. Electrolytes given without water can cause further dehydration. After your horse is cool, provide electrolytes either by paste syringe or in water. Prepare two buckets of water, one with the electrolytes, one with plain water. Keep in mind that horses can develop ulcers to the mouth and stomach from the overuse of electrolytes. Some horses are sensitive to paste-based electrolytes given on an empty stomach unless gastric protection is added to or included with the electrolyte formula. The role of amino acids in the recovery phase. Research has shown that the branch-chain amino acids and the essential amino acids fed after exercise can support muscle repair and growth. Alfalfa pellets or cubes are a wonderful post-exercise recovery food because they provide the essential amino acids and the branch chain. Adding a banana to the alfalfa pellets or cubes helps replenish glycogen and makes a good post-exercise snack. Antioxidants play multiple important roles. Limiting oxidative stress and assisting in quicker recovery time after exercise, competition, or encountering the effects of environmental stressors are important roles of the antioxidants. They help reduce muscle damage from training, thereby reducing stiffness and soreness, and they provide for senior horses and metabolic horses greater requirements for protection against free radicals. Key antioxidants include vitamin E, vitamin C, beta-carotene, the carotenoids, CoQ10, SOD, selenium, the flavonoids, the flavanols, quercetin, and glutathione. Biostars Supplements for Recovery, Rebound, provides a blend of foods high in the branch chain and essential amino acids, plus bovine colostrum for immune support and full and for cellular repair of muscles and tissues. Rebound also provides a range of active, viable probiotic strains for the GI tract, along with the sea vegetable Alaria, which is rich in macro and micro minerals, vitamins, fiber, and protein. Plus, smectite clay that can bind toxins at a greater rate than other clays. This formula is especially recommended for horses on layup from injury, horses coming back into work, or horses in the process of getting fitter can be used as needed. Starlight EQ provides a blend of mineral-dense salts from land and sea for electrolyte and trace mineral needs. Also provides the sea vegetable Alaria for additional macro and micro minerals, vitamins, fiber, and protein. Contains organic mango powder for a healthy sodium chloride balance in the body and smectite clay to soak up exercise-induced toxins and free radicals. This formula is added to feed, not to water. Recommended for horses in light to moderate work. Aquaforte is a water enhancer that provides good hydration and essential support for electrolyte replacement. The formula includes electrolytes from Celtic sea salt in the same ratio as sweat, mineral and vitamin support from the sea vegetable Alaria, cellular energy and CoQ10 support from the bioresin Shilajit. GI tract support from organic fennel seeds and provides organic apple powder for antioxidant support.
This formula is added to water for faster electrolyte replacement and hydration needs of the horse. Can be given to horses of all ages and levels of activity. Aquaforte is especially beneficial during periods of extreme heat and or humidity. Can be given as needed. Elixir is a comprehensive water enhancer for high-performance horses formulated to address electrolyte needs, cellular energy support, antioxidant support, protection of the GI tract, and reduction of cortisol from stress. Elixir provides electrolytes from Celtic sea salt in the same ratio as sweat, mineral and vitamin support from the sea vegetable Elaria, and shilajit for mitochondrial support and energy production, including ATP and CoQ10. Also includes organic holy basil for adrenal and glandular support, helping to normalize cortisol levels in the body. Medical grade microcrystallized aloe to coat the GI tract and protect intestinal mucosa. Camu Camu, an organic apple powder for antioxidant support through several components, including beta carotene, the carotenoids, lutein, zeanthin, vitamin C, bioflavonoids, and quercetin. Elixir powder is added to water for fast electrolyte replacement, hydration, and recovery. The paste version of Elixir will be available in July 2018 and includes camelina oil for added vitamin E and organic barley juice powder for the super antioxidant SOD. The new normal. According to data based on research by James Hansen, a retired NASA climate scientist and professor at Columbia University, summer temperatures have shifted towards more extreme heat over the past few decades. His research showed that from 1951 to 1980, temperatures across a third of the northern hemisphere were near average or normal range. A third were considered cold and a third were considered hot. Since then, summer temperatures have shifted drastically. From 2005 to 2015, two-thirds of the values were in the hot category, and nearly 15% were in a new category, extremely hot. What this means for our horses is that we have to be even more mindful and diligent about cool-down after exercise, electrolyte replacement, hydration, and recovery. Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. And now we're at Coffee Clatch, and in honor of the new release of Jurassic World, um, we're going to share our favorite dinosaur breeds. And um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to start with the fact that Velociraptor is uh, my number one on my hit parade. The reason being that they hunt like a pack, and that is very wolf-like, dog-like. So they were also, you know, highly intelligent 
and um, I, I just I just gravitate to the Velociraptor. You just love him because because of the potential to teach them to play fetch and do agility. <laughs> exactly, agility dinosaur. That's what it's thing. all about. Um, you, they're like a smooth coated Aussie. Just question mark. There we go. A little bit like leggy. Yeah, a little bit leggy. Yeah, yeah, leg, and they're fast, so you know agility would be yeah. good. Yeah, I get yeah. that. And, and and intelligent worked work as a community. You know. I like yep. that. Yeah, I like that too. And if you, and if and if when you but get it, one, it comes with a Chris Pratt, even better. Yeah. <laughs> oh, amen uh, to that. Amen to that, darling. Just saying. Hello. Yeah. Let's not How go down that Jennifer? road today. <laughs> My dinosaur of choice is a. What's the word I need? Because I'm I'm not a good good at this whole science thing. Family of dinosaurs. It's not a specific species of dinosaur. It's the Archaeopteryx. Ah, and Archaeopteryx. Originally, I liked Archaeopteryx because I can say it and it sounds really cool. But I the, agree. The Archaeopteryx is a group of dinosaurs that were the transition between dinosaur and bird. Ooh, oh, kind of cool. So they were later in the group. Yes, they were. They were. When they weren't quite dinosaurs, they weren't quite birds, they were somewhere in between, and there are a number of different ones that they found now. But originally it was found in the mid-1800s because there was one feather in the Oh, they're the ones who started getting the feathers. They had feathers, um, and more recent research seems to show that they probably didn't fly, but yes, they had feathers. So, of course, there's still lots of theories flying around, but... It sounds oh, really cool, cool, and they had feathers, so they weren't scaly and reptile-like. Win-win. Win. Oh, win, yeah. Archaeopteryx. Yep. And I could probably spell it if I tried hard. Really? Yeah. That's impressive. That is impre- impressive. There you go. How about, yeah. uh, how about you, Patty, P- Patty Perucci? Well, my son, Ray, um, has always been a big dinosaur fan, and he's had many that he's loved. Um, I mean, he of the the T-Rex because they were kind of big head, short arms, kind of like the whole, like, you know, I'm a big, big, big bad dude thing. But he always loved the T-Rex. Me too. So I've always kind of leaned towards that because I just thought they were kind of cute and kind of different. (laughs) But I don't know. They're just, there's something about them that's sort of like, I don't know, like who wouldn't want that in their backyard? You know, like look out there and, you know, if you were going to have a compost pile, who wouldn't want a T-Rex there? Like, yeah, That's put right. that over here, put that That's over right. here, you know? Excellent. Right? They could be the director. Oh, a T-Rex would take care of my squirrel problem. <gasps> Mine, too. Ooh. Or some I velociraptors, too. take care of a lot oh, yeah. of problems. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. liking this more and more. So that's kind of... That's, well, you know, the thing about favorite. the T-Rex is when you have chickens... You have little T Rexes, and, and what is so cool about those movies that um, you know Spielberg developed about the di- you know Jurassic Park is the function of the legs, the locomotion of a dinosaur's legs is exactly the same as a chicken, and the feet of a chicken are like the feet of a T Rex. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Well, that's why we know that, you know, the dinosaurs went through an evolution and they 
eventually, so it became birds. But the chicken is so close to being a T-Rex, and it's an omnivore. It eats anything. Now, it's missing its little the little claws, the little front feet, mm-hmm. um, and it has wings, which, of course, T-Rex didn't have. But you watch a chicken run, and you watch Jurassic Park, and you go, oh, my God. Been there, the done that. Thing. That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Okay. It's harder to see it with little birds, you know, like goldfinches and cardinals. And, you know, I don't really get the whole dino thing with them so much, but with a chicken. And then think of things like ostriches. Again, it's it's the way they move. I mean, I could see an ostrich could have been a brontosaurus, that long neck, the Mm -hmm. long, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's so there's so many cool. I mean, I used to know so much more when Ray Ray was younger. He was so totally into the whole thing, the whole dinosaur thing. But it, um, it's it, it the learning about all of that is so fascinating. You know, you know I thinking about. I went to a lecture oh, twenty years ago, maybe thirty years ago, in Arizona, and it was given by Jack Horner, who was the 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 one who sat in the corner. No, eating <laughs> his curds and whey. Yeah, no. different guy. He <laughs> is the paleontologist that first put forth the notion that dinosaurs were birds. Oh I mean, yeah! And oh, that's who the okay. character in Jurassic Park. Remember in the movie when they, you know, they fly into and the, and there's a site that they're, you know, yeah excavating that character is jack horner so oh i didn't know that yeah so i attended this lecture he he was a paleontologist from montana state university and he what he was uncovering these sites that had these massive eggs you know where the dinosaurs had laid their eggs and up until that point it had been assumed that 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 was a reptilian, you know, like crocodiles lay their eggs on the banks. So right. And they assume that was a reptilian thing. But um, he found evidence that the dinosaurs actually cared for their young, which, you know, reptiles aren't really known to, to do. Right. Because they kind of do their thing and they, yeah. Right. And Interesting. And he's the one that made the connection with the formation of the hip and leg that it's the same as a bird's. So 30 years ago, he, I mean, he was, you know, revolutionary in his thinking. That's pretty cool. It, it's really cool. And he was a, yeah. the way he talked about how he, you know, out there digging in Montana and he found it, you know, a T, he's found one of the T-Rexes. And how when, you know, they're scraping away all the sand and rock and, and the, you know, you start getting the feel of the skeleton and, and it really hit him. Well, this is more like a bird. Yeah. More like the, more bird-like than alligator-like. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And I, he, he's my hero partly because growing up, you never had dinosaur coloring books because it was pretty boring to color a dinosaur back in the day. They were all considered to be brownish, grayish, and bland. And right. when he, when Horner and some of his other scientists of that era came along, went, wait a minute, let's maybe maybe they weren't 
plain old brown right. and plain old boring and plain old leathery. All of a sudden, coloring books and encyclopedias for children got more fun. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, right. you know, right. I, I, I give a lot of credit to the, you know, certainly the, the computer animated Jurassic Park movies, how they have brought the dinosaurs to life in ways to understand them that you just don't see when they're in a museum and they're just, it's just skeleton. Right. Yeah. You know, right. Yeah. You how they've that. made That's them like... move and think and react. And I mean, when I watched your, the first Jurassic Park and I saw those brontosauruses grazing, it gave me a totally oh, different amazing. feel of, of, dinosaurs yeah so if i got to have a pet dinosaur it would definitely be a velociraptor there you go <laughs> i mean miniature oh, was, you know three inches tall yeah okay and so if you have your favorite dinosaur let us know on healthycreatorsradio.com and and share what your favorite dinosaur is Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to healthycrittersradio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. Gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>